A good day and welcome to episode 31 of the Umber Gaming Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Manny, and as always, I'm here with two of the most deliciously sly gentlemen in the video games industry, Matt and Steve. How are you guys doing? I've missed you both. Oh, well, I'm feeling deliciously sly now that you mention it. Thanks for bringing that up because I was really looking for the phrase to define my feelings today, and you nailed it. That's that's part of what I do here. You know, I'm a wordsmith. I'm a weaver of dreams at the loom of the mind. <laughs> oh, I like that. Oh, it's a Family Guy joke. No, it's a Family Guy. <laughs> it's not very clever. Um, Matt, how are you, how are you doing? What's going on with you? Oh, I'm good. I've been running more lately, which is nice. Good. My left knee hurts a little bit. It's humid and foggy out today, which is, it's okay. I'm into the fog. I drew a bird yesterday. A peregrine falcon, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that you suggested I draw it, so I did. It's the fastest animal in the world. Okay. I guess we'll take your word for it. Don't take my word for it. (laughs) Ask our (laughs) listeners. Hi, I'm FaZe. Peregrine falcons are very fast. Um, I don't think there's really anything else new going on in my life. What's new in your life, Emmanuel? Things are going well. I am always tired. That's pretty much my update. Um, playing some new games and having fun there, but mostly just tired. Yeah. I'm glad we're all somewhere between doing well and very tired because we have an <laughs> exciting episode for all of our listeners today. For this episode 31 of the Ombre Gaming Podcast, we have some exciting things to talk about. We are going to kick it off with a little game we're calling Crack the Character, and I will explain how that game works when we get to it. And then the topic of today's pod is video game reboots and revivals. So we're going to have sort of an informal discussion, as are most of our discussions, about games that have been brought back from the dead in one way or another. Um, We'll talk about some successes, some failures, some of the ones we liked, and some of the ones we might like to see in the future. Uh, So I'm really excited for that topic. And then after that, we will do patch notes, where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke, and then we're going to have our community highlight. But before we get to any of that, it's time to keep the house. First up on housekeeping, as always, please follow us on social media. We would really appreciate it. We are at Ombra underscore gaming on Twitter and at Ombra gaming on Instagram. So check out our tweets and our pictures. We're uploading things every day and keeping you abreast on all the gaming developments. And you can see our articles and our thoughts and, and all the things we have to say on Twitter and Instagram. Next up on housekeeping, you should check out our Discord server because it's growing every day and it's full of awesome people that we love very much. Uh, so you can find the invite to the Discord server on our Twitter bio and you can come hang out with us and talk about video games all day long and even at night. We also are on Twitch, so if you want to see us stream some awesome games, you can find us at twitch.tv slash ombra underscore gaming, where we stream every single day of the week. Uh, Some of the things we've been streaming lately include Overwatch, H1Z1, and some other things. So check us out there. We would love to have you join us on Twitch. And last up on Housekeeping, a very, very special moment for us here at Ombra Gaming Folks, we have finally launched a Patreon page, and we're all very excited about it. So we launched it last week, and we already have some supporters that we will be shouting out and thanking towards the end of the podcast. But if you're interested in supporting the Ombre Gaming Podcast and everything that we do, we would appreciate it so, so, so much. All jokes aside, everything we do 
is fully funded and fully structured by us, by the team. Um, and we are all in different cities, which, which definitely poses a challenge for us. And, you know, we try to make the very best content we possibly can, but all the support that we get from our patrons and everybody in our discord and everybody on social media really, really goes a long way. So if you are willing and able to support us on Patreon, it would mean the absolute world to us. And every dollar we get from Patreon will go to better audio equipment, better video equipment, exclusive giveaways, interviews, travel, all of the things that will make us even better. If you're not able or willing to support, we totally understand. Just hang out with us. Just listening to the podcast and sharing it with your friends and reading our articles or you know, hanging out with us on Discord, that also means a lot to us too. And we, we definitely appreciate any kind of the support we can get. So if you want to learn more about how to support us on Patreon, and if you want to see the awesome, awesome rewards that we are offering our patrons, head on over to patreon.com slash Gaming, and you can support us there. And uh, every dollar goes a long way, so we'd really appreciate it. So with that, the house is all nice and clean. So let's get on with the show. We're going to play this game called Crack the Character. And the way this is going to work is we all have written one to two sentence descriptions of video game characters and it's on the other two to guess who that character is based on the description we provide so similar to guess that game that we've played a handful of times on the podcast uh the contestants will have six yes or no questions that they can ask before having to give an answer and if they get it before then that's fine too so with that matt why don't you kick it off all right here's my first one tall scientist murders enemies instead of conducting life-saving science experiments I think you're referring to Moira, and this is yes, Overwatch. That's correct. Wow. Told the you it was tall easy. scientist really gave it away. She's I know, laggy. but yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, I'll go next since I got that one. And I, I also feel like mine are pretty easy, but I guess we'll see. I'll start off with what I think is probably the easiest one. Pikachu. Okay. Also, uh, some of mine rhyme. Be prepared for that. Uh, okay. Small brown fluff, always wearing a smile. In an upcoming game, it'll follow Eevee. you for miles. Eevee. Fuck. That was so easy. Small <laughs> brown just, fluff. Right. I know. I felt <laughs> like, okay. Well, All you right, know, well, just warming up, you folks. You said it yeah, first, true, Steven, true. so you can go. All right. I uh, I wrote haikus, so. <laughs> it's basically the jazz of the English language. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to spice it up a little bit, so. Okay. All right. Nice. All right. So my first one. The house needs cleaning. Starving master is angry. Protect the small girl. That would be Detroit Become Human, and you're talking about Kara. I am. Good job, Manny. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So far, this game is going very quickly, but hopefully this one will pose a little bit more of a challenge. Okay. Jumps in the air and flies around town, and with the rain, she shoots on down. Jumps? Farrah? No. Jumps in the air. It is Farrah from Overwatch. Oh, <laughs> Jumps in the air, she flies around town. Justice reigns from above. You know that's like her thing. Yeah, I know that's her thing. But so Overwatch is a game um, where no, did it kidding. say ri- you've whatever? I thought she was like Does that a mean butterfly I get to go or something. Again and Matt has to like ride the bench a little longer. It's that's what it means. Yeah, that's that how this game works. Stupid. Those means. are bad clues. So uh, I mean, I got her really quick, and I play Overwatch like once every two months. So that's true. <laughs> I mean, you don't know the intricacies of the lore, so that was a bad clue. <laughs> I love when you said fair. Matt was like. No, I don't think no. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All right, Steve, you're next. Okay. The next haiku. <laughs> I forgot you were doing haikus already. <laughs> it's been two seconds. I know. It's been a really fast game. Okay. Life in the Wild West, the daughter of a rancher, save the outlaw's life. 
John Marston's daughter. He doesn't have a daughter, so I mean, I'm I'm assuming it's from Red Dead. Is that a question? No. Is the character in Red Dead question mark? Yes. We're fucked because I don't remember. That's it's that girl at the beginning of the game. I believe her name is Shalala. That ain't it. What girl at the beginning are you talking about? The one that's in the house. That down? <laughs> Which house? I, and I just remember in the beginning of the game, there's a girl in the in a house, and you say goodbye to her. Um, okay. Her name is... Is that the right person? I think it's Shalala. It's not Shalala. You are correct. That is the right person, Matt. Look at that memory. I just don't remember her name. Think about... Th- all right, let's, Shania. It's definitely not... I don't know why you're going to Shania. I'm like 99% sure it's Shalala. You're 100% wrong. So <laughs> just really think about like a typical name in like the Western time. Like Western is a place, not a time. Well, the Wild West. Janine? Janine what? <laughs> Janine Garofalo. <laughs> uh, something around, something like with a cur sound. Nope. Sure try to sound? Guess the, try to guess the starting letter. J. No, it's before J in the alphabet. I'll narrow it down. That means it's also before S. Oh, it's H, and it's Hannah. It's not that. It's H, though. It's not H. Okay. So that means it's before H. It's before H. It it is before F as well. Oh, it's D. It's not D. It's not Darla. A, and it's Agnes. It's not A. (laughs) B, Bertrude. It's B, but it's not Bertrude. (laughs) Bertrude. Betty. Not Betty. Bertrude. Petunia. Betsy. Not Betsy. Barbara. Not Barbara. Belilah. <laughs> Benny. Not Benny. Close, though. Betty. Not Betty. No, it's close. Benny? Benny. Benny is close. There's similar letters in there. You're missing a couple, though. Well, you're you're to switch a couple out. Benny and the Jets. Mouth it? Oh, my God. It's fucking Bonnie McFarlane. How, does, how do you guys oh, not think Bonnie. of the, word, the name Bonnie? Like, it's Bonnie. Bonnie McFarlane. Bonnie. Jesus. I'm editing it so I got the right one in no. five seconds. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> well, we have the video, so I'll I'll broadcast this to the world. I'm just, I mean, I remembered when the character appeared and you did. where so that person was. You'll get, I will pass so I think it on I over win. to you. Even Thank though yeah, Matt, Matt gets the win You're for both that lost. Like, that was. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I, I got to go into the wiki because I'm pretty sure her name is Shalila, but that's neither hey, here nor there. It's definitely All right. not Shalila. Ready? Let's go. Speechless individual travels the galaxy fighting the traveler in destiny. The same people over and over again. <laughs> Is that the guardian? The guardian in, in it's destiny? It's the guardian. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to round out my last haiku here. I think you'll get this one. A grim shattered world. She might be the only hope. She could be the cure. That girl oh, from the last of last us. of us. Ellie. Yes. Correct. Good job. Whoop, whoop. guys. Proud of you. Okay. So, this last one is actually in riddle form. It does not rhyme. Good luck. I'm not above, always below. I'm always cold, but things can get pretty heated if we battle. My rival is always picking fights, but I don't think I'll ever get over there. The eight-legged woman in the forest. Uh, that's wrong. Okay. Can you say it again? I'm not above, yeah. always below. So you're underground. I'm always cold, but things can get pretty heated if we battle. So you're an ice... Worm. Interesting. My rival is always picking fights, but I don't think I'll ever get over there. You have six questions. Fire yeah, away. Yeah, we're thinking. So it's a thing that lives underground, and it's cold there, and you have to go to it to fight it a lot, and then it can get hot, so it might breathe fire. 
He made a lot of jumps there. Yeah, it's happening. Is this from a Dark Souls game? It is not. Okay. Gives me a chance. Yep. Um, is it a female character? It is not. Matt, what questions do you have? <laughs> I want to think more. Um, so we got a male not in Dark Souls. Well, it could be genderless if it's like a creature. That's a good question to ask. I keep thinking it if it, it's like a boss, you know, that you like fight or something like that. Yeah. I'm definitely thinking that. Something about a rival, too. Like, he's got a rival that he just doesn't want to fight. Oh, what if it's, like, Articuno? The fuck is Articuno? <laughs> <laughs> it's the ice legendary bird from Pokemon. It's not Articuno. I can, oh, my God. I, I haven't it. heard that name in, like, a decade and a half. <laughs> um, You can ask more questions, Steve. Would you like me to repeat it? No. Is it no. a male character? It is a male character. All right. So we which, got that. Yeah. Is it a humanoid? Yes. Oh. So it lives down below and it's cold. And it's also a human. I, I, I'll, I'll point out that some of these things are metaphors, so don't take them and don't take them all entirely Great. literally. We have to. Okay, that's how riddles work, you idiot. <laughs> Not necessarily. Have you ever watched Batman? Yeah, the Riddler does exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing green. You are. Uh, Anything else you'd like to point out? <laughs> We have two uh, questions left. Okay, hold, so then read it again, because i got to read into the metaphors now. I'm not above, but always below. I'm always cold, but things can get pretty heated if we battle. My rival is always picking fights, but I don't think I'll ever get over there. Is it Atreus? It is not Atreus. I don't like the, but I don't think I'll ever get over there. I don't know what that means. If you link that with the previous sentence, it is very significant. Ask more questions about like the kind of game or the kind of is character. It Kratos? It's not Kratos. Niesta. <laughs> That's a thing. Yes, you're right. Is it? Did the game come out in the past two years? <laughs> uh, a game came out in the past two years. It is a. It is a series of games. It is a franchise. Have I played this game? Um, I've never seen you play this game, but I'm willing to bet you've played one of the games have i played lifetime. this game i would probably say you're less likely but i wouldn't be surprised if you did so maybe it's like a so maybe it's not for the pc yeah is it for playstation uh it is on playstation yes is it All right, on so PC? it's on playstation so I, it is on pc yes um shit i think you guys can really get there if you if you just keep digging and i think you'll feel very proud of yourselves once you do Okay, let's focus. Or I, or I can just, or I can just no, tell. No, we already asked a billion questions, so let's ask more. So Steve's more likely to play it than I am. Is it a shooter? It's not a shooter. Is it an action game? Not in the traditional sense, although action Is it an happens, RPG? It is not an RPG. Is it a fighting game? It is a fighting game. Oh, if I can get over there. So you're trying to get, is it Sub-Zero? It's Sub-Zero! Oh, Fuck yeah! I'm not a. Uh, I'm not above. Always below. Sub zero. I'm always cold. He's cold. But like things can get heated if you fight. My rival's always picking fights, but I don't think I'll get over there because Scorpion is always saying, "Get over here." Good job, guys. I'm proud of you. Uh, Matt, go ahead. Uh, you have one left, right? Uh, yeah. Hold on. I want to edit it though. <laughs> Matt's like, my name is Diva, and I'm a character. <laughs> you may not see me. If you don't play Overwatch. <laughs> okay, here's mine. Four-legged forest creature. I hunt. Coin helps. Four-legged forest creature. 
Um, is it from an RPG? Yeah. Is it from The Witcher? Yeah. All right, I'm out because I don't know shit. Yeah, I don't know the any characters on The Witcher other than uh, Geralt. Geralt. That's, That's it. it. Hey. <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question. Yeah. He is. Uh, he has two legs. Yep. Is that different? Than his, what, his symbol is a wolf. Oh. Oh, so he's like Jon Snow. <laughs> well, that was crack the character. I think next time we'll we'll, we'll try to give harder clues. Because that one, a little faster than we anticipated. It was kind of easy, most of them. Well, I was going off the guess that game where that was really hard, even though I thought it was going to be easy. So then I wrote yeah. these, and I was like, well, I don't know if these are easy or hard. Yeah, yeah. Well, well you know, what are you going to do? We'll get it right next time. So let's keep the show going. On to the topic of the podcast, which is reboots and revivals. Um, so like I said at the top of the show, we're just going to have an informal conversation about some of the games that we've seen sort of be brought back to life and we've been happy about and we've enjoyed uh we'll talk about some of the ones that were sort of failures and some that we might like to see in the future so steve why don't you start it off what's a reboot that you have been like really pleased with and that you've had a good time with i was going more with like remastered games being thrown into this mix as well uh, because yeah one i have is one of those ones that is rumored to be leading to a revival which is kind of like a twofer you know there you go. Two birds, one game. And what I'm talking about is the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. I knew you're. Yeah, I knew someone was going to talk. About you that. have to really, um, because yeah. the game kind of came out of nowhere. They quite literally didn't put any money into the marketing of it. They're just like, "Hey, we remastered this game if you want it," and then it sold so well because Crash Bandicoot was one of the original PlayStation mascots. Like everybody still remembers the old commercials of him with the megaphone outside Nintendo, like asking to see the plumber. So we haven't seen Crash Bandicoot since PlayStation Two, which is insane because you know you go from one of the biggest mascots of the entire company, and now all of a sudden you just stop making games for him. Obviously, Naughty Dog went on to do some pretty impressive things with Uncharted, The Last of Us, so. You know they were producing quality content over that time. They were busy. They were definitely busy. But it was kind of sad to see one of those classic PlayStation originals just kind of go to the wayside. So when the Insane Trilogy came out, I remember spur of the moment too, I just went out and bought it because I was like, you know what? I used to play those all the time. Me and my neighbor, we like grew up together, so we'd always play PlayStation together. And we spent so much time on all the Crash Bandicoot games, just taking turns every time you die, passing the sticks. And then when Crash Team Racing came out, that was a blast. I loved fun. Crash Team yeah, Racing. Yeah, it was kind of that it was, was PlayStation's so Mario fun. Kart. It was great because Crash has a ton of fun characters. Like Cortex is a great villain, and obviously Crash is just a fun character. Like he's he's so easy to just attach to. He was obviously so easy to sell merchandise for because when that game went live and like all these rumors stemmed from basically the merchandising company that they have a contract with and these guys basically said hey they're going to release the remastered edition on other consoles you know this year and then next year they're looking to make a new crash bandicoot game and then hopefully that'll lead to additional entries into the franchise and so the game just hit on all cylinders because it it looks absolutely beautiful now it's still challenging like it was but it's not those like frustrating moments where you get hung up on just bad mechanics because of a you know an inferior system in the PlayStation 1 so you refine all those little things and it was a smoother experience and it looked it did like honestly it looked like it could have been a game that was made 
you know, in 2016 or 2017. It didn't look like it was a remaster of an old game. It looked like they could have easily pulled it off. So that gets everybody excited. Like, hey, this is a, a franchise that everyone wants to see revived because it appeals to all age groups. Because like we've talked about, we've grown up with all these games now. So those are our classics. It's, it's like, you know, what my dad looks at Mario and Pong on fucking Atari because <laughs> that's what he was playing. So, and I feel like it's, it's like Crash Bandicoot is such a product of its time. Like it launched in 1996 and kind of rode the wave into the early 2000s. And I feel like it was like, if you just look at the character, like he's like a wild little guy. He has fucking ripped jeans and like, you know, sneakers and shit. And so, jeans. Yeah. So and so funny. like the, the period of time where Crash just wasn't a thing really i feel like that was like an inflection point in the industry where different kinds of games were being made but now with sort of the wave of nostalgia and the classics coming out again i feel like crash bandicoot is now more so than like the early 2000s and and mid 2000s i feel like now it's it's a product of these times as well because of like that sort of like renaissance of retro games that's happening for sure Mm. and if it does get released for the switch like which i think it's definitely going to happen I will probably buy another copy of it. Like, I own it on PS4, but that right, game would be a right. blast to play on the go. Using sure. it as a handheld, it, it would translate perfectly. The graphics would translate well on the Switch because it's not like it's something... It's not like God of War where you need all these outrageous engines running to make sure that you actually produce what you're looking for. It's just a 2D platformer with a little bit of extra depth, and now you can play it wherever the fuck you want. Um, so yeah, that was a remaster that... I was pleasantly surprised with because it wasn't anything that I, I, I thought I wanted or needed. And then when I got my hands on it, it was exactly what I was hoping it would be once it was released. So that's why it's got me excited again, because I'm really looking forward to seeing what they could do with a brand new concept. If they you know try to reboot the series, I want to see what new additions they could throw in, how they switch up the gameplay. So it's got everybody's interest peaked, which is really all you could hope for with these types of reboots or revivals because you're trying to look for that original spark that got everybody interested in the first place. So they know they got it. And I think it's setting the groundwork for a lot of good things to come out of it. How do you think like nostalgia played into it? Cause that's my big thing with like reboots and revivals is like the effect nostalgia has had on my interpretation of the original version of the game. I think that definitely plays a part because it, brings back the memories of like sitting on a couch hanging out with my with you know with my childhood friend and spending hours on hours playing through those games and just having an absolute blast so i think that plays into it but that can only take it so far like if the game doesn't translate well then the nostalgia will wear off and you won't want to stick with it but it does translate well um that and that's one of those things that you know i can just pick up play a couple levels at a time and put it down and it's always there it's not anything that i I feel the need to like binge through or go trophy hunting for but it's something that's there that i know if i have nothing to play i can throw that in for a little bit and have some fun yeah i think that's a good point like how a game sort of ages um i feel like it has the reverse effect on a game that ends up being bad it's like you hate it more because you remember it as being better like like a newer yeah. version a new reboot um so what's one that you were that you kind of had the opposite effect where a reboot came around and you were excited you know excited for it and looking forward to it and then once you got your hands on it it you know you realize it didn't age so well it's kind of like a 50 51 where medal of honor the first medal of honor remake i guess reboot that they did because that franchise kind of died out on the ps2 
And I love Medal of Honor. Medal of Honor Frontline is still one of my favorite games. Um, I actually didn't mind Warfighter, to be totally honest. See, I hated it compared to the first one. The first one was yeah. great because it reminded me so much of Act of Valor. Like, they actually worked with a lot of Navy SEALs to try to get a, a, a relatively real interpretation of what that would be like. And I remember vividly one mission. You're basically trying to rally your what's left of your troop, which is only like four guys, and you're trying to defend this rock shelter that is being torn apart because in the, the distance there's this giant hill where terrorist troops just keep running down it and just overflowing and like shooting at you. So you have to fight off this never-ending wave of terrorists while the the shelter is just crumbling around you. Your guys are screaming for help and for ammo and you get to run around and like heal them and get ammo. And it was one of the most intense scenes in a video game I've ever played. And it was all on you. Like, you had to get through that mission if you wanted to keep going. And let me tell you, we died a bunch of times playing that one, but we kept going back. And I remember we played a bunch of that in my my old college roommate's room, and he had, like, his surround sound going. And it was one of the most realistic-sounding kind of, kind of war interpretation games that I've ever seen. I actually remember buying... What was it called? Warfight, Warfighter? Yeah, the second one was Warfighter. Was, the first one was just was, Medal of Honor. Because that was the one with the troops from all the different countries, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I, I honestly, remember... Warfighter is very forgettable for me because the story was just so shallow. It was like the same thing that you just, you'd see in every other first-person shooter. It took all of the character from the first Medal of Honor and just sucked it out. And the multiplayer sucked. The multiplayer... Honestly, the multiplayer for both of them wasn't good. You couldn't go prone in the multiplayer. Like, <laughs> oh, no! Of all... That's, that's like, so a huge mechanic. In a first-person yeah. shooter, you're just not going to let people go prone. Yeah. It was, it was so dumb. I remember, I remember buying Warfighter um, at Best Buy. And the, the like Best Buy guy, I don't know, cashier guy... He, I mean, aside from the fact that he's like kind of a dick and I've interpre- interacted with him before and he's kind of sucked, he was like, you shouldn't buy this. And I was like, whatever, man. Like, I just want like a mindless like first person shooter. I don't know. It was like fucking seven years ago or eight years ago or something. And he was like, no, like you really like he was almost not letting me buy it. And I'm like, look, man, I'm I'm giving you my money. Like you have you have to give it to me because I'm paying for it. And it, I mean, it wasn't amazing, but like, I didn't mind it. Um, well, that was the thing. I was very let down after Medal of Honor. I thought the story just lacked everything. It was too short. And then the multiplayer was just nothing good at all. Literally, the only good that came out of that game was I still have Frontline on my PS3, so I can go back and play that whenever I want. But ever since Warfighter, because it got terrible reviews, didn't sell well at all, they just shut that game down. And now it's going to be tough to try to come back because Battlefield is so established. Call of Duty's a juggernaut. And, and then you got other games like Wildlands and stuff like that that'll come out that'll just do it better. So what's one that you would like to come out? Like almost like a, a pipe dream, but maybe not, not too much of a pipe dream? So I, I don't think it's too much of a pipe dream. I actually think we're going to hear about this at E3. Um, I'm hoping at least. I want to I want them to bring back Siphon Filter. It's been so long. I remember the original Siphon Filter. I spent so much time with that and I like still to this day the best weapon was the taser. You could just tase people from <laughs> miles away and they just start <laughs> burning. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> but I think with all the advances in system technology, you could make an amazing Siphon Filter game right now because that studio was producing quality games back on the PlayStation 1. So I have no doubts that they could probably give us something great on PS4. 
and everybody, you know, everybody loves Logan. Or was it Gabe Logan? What's his, yeah, Gabe Logan. I think it was Gabe Logan. But yeah, I would love to see Siphonfilter get rebooted. As I think, I think it would play really well in today's market. For sure. Well, I'll go next, if that's cool. It is cool. You're Thank cool. Thank you. Um, a, a reboot that I was really happy with was the Mortal Kombat reboot of 2011. Mortal um, Kombat! Do, 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 do. There's no shadoops in that song. Uh, yeah, in the barbershop version, there is. So broaden your horizons. <laughs> yeah, I grew up playing the Mortal Kombat series um, all the way from like Mortal Kombat 1. And Who was your favorite character? Was it Sub-Zero? No, it was Liu Kang. Uh, mine was Scorpion. Who was that guy who could throw his hat and chop off your head? That was Liu Kang's brother, Kung Lao. Oh, he was interesting. Yeah, I grew up playing the series and I really loved it. That was like some of my first video game memories with my older brother playing on the SNES. Um, and then like around the early 2000s, like they tried to reinvent themselves. Did you play the, the PS2 ones? Yeah, like Annihil- uh, not Annihilation. Deadly Alliance, I think, was one of yeah, them. Yeah, Deadly Alliance. I actually put a lot of time into that one. That was one of the few yeah. uh, Mortal Kombat games I ever really spent time on. I had a lot of fun with that one, though. For sure. Yeah, I played it on the GameCube, actually, um, and it was fantastic. But around that same time, like right after Deadly Alliance, I can't remember the name of it. I, it was something like Allegiance or, or Revelations or something like that. They like decided to like really get into the lore of the Mortal Kombat realms. And uh, there is a lot of lore, right? Like Scorpion comes from the Nether Realm, and there's like a bunch of gods like Raiden and, and they come down, but they can't fight in certain realms. Like there is a story to it, but they like, I think it was Armageddon. Oh, it came it, out in 2006. What came out before Deadly Alliance? Deadly Alliance came out in 2002, and Mortal Kombat Special Forces, that came out in 2000 on PlayStation. Well, after Mortal Mortal Kombat Armageddon was the last one until the collection, and then they did Mortal Kombat vs. DC Universe. I think I'm thinking of Armageddon. Yeah. But there was like a whole, like, I think they tried to do an RPG type thing where actually Liu Kang was like running around the different realms, and you could like also build a character. Um, and even I think Deadly Alliance had like a kart racing mode and a puzzle mode. They like went in all these different directions that really like spread their franchise kind of thin. And like Ed Boon, who who heads NetherRealm Studio in Chicago, like he is an industry icon. Like he has been with the franchise from the very beginning. He helped like shepherd it into the 3D era. Um, and with all their successes with arcade cabinets like they were huge especially in the late 90s but they sort of like i don't know i think they kind of lost their identity until 2011 in 2011 they came out with mortal kombat um which was i think just after mortal kombat vs dc universe and they just like got back to their roots like it was simple sort of almost 2d like side-scrolling combat um and it super super highly emphasized gore and violence and blood um it's probably the most brutal fighting game i i would say until mortal kombat x but it didn't really like dig too deep into the lore outside of like those like three to four second intros that fighters would give and yeah i don't know i feel like they just like went back to what made them the best in the 90s so i I was really stoked about that um i was happy to be playing like a true mortal kombat game again and i was glad that they kind of did away with the things that were just like distractions for for what could be a really good game so yeah it, it just like felt like a fresh version of the 90s games uh and it also won game of the year in like 2010 at e3 um or a uh, fighting game of the year actually so i don't know i think it, it was just like a great way to come back for mortal kombat um but yeah, I, I generally I don't play too too many reboots, and that's not an intentional thing. It just kind of happened that way. 
But a reboot I would love to see, a revival that I think would be amazing, would be a Mist revival. Holy <laughs> shit. Yes. <laughs> like, I feel like Mist was such a product of its time because it was like a edgy, really trippy, immersive, creepy experience. And I feel like those are a thing now. I feel like, yeah. like you look at oh, the they forest, definitely are. like horror survival. Like, I feel like if a studio, I don't know. I don't know what studio could do well with it, but I feel like if a studio in 2018 brought Mist back, I feel like they could make an incredible, incredible experience. Wasn't there a Mist game? There was Mist 2 that came out a handful of years after Mist 1. I think it was like mid-2000s thought, like the mid-aughts. There was something definitely on Steam made by a creator of Mist, I'm pretty sure. It was not missed. It's like it wasn't it wasn't what you're talking about, but it was definitely like very similar game, but on a different world or something. I feel like it would be really awesome if if they could just bring it back and make it a beautiful immersive world. So actually, in 2012, the PlayStation Network released um, a port for for Mist on in the form of like a PS1 classic um, on the PlayStation 3 and the PSP which I don't really know how that was received. But um, yeah, I do feel like it could really be brought back in a very powerful way. I So I do think they made a game that came out on Steam that was called Abduction with an O. Abduction? Abduction, yeah. Yeah. In 2016, I don't remember how the reviews were for that game, but... That was from the creators of Mist, and obviously wasn't Mist, you know. And there was also like real Mist. That's like the I'm doing this in quotes because that's the name of the game. Came out I think in like just around like 2011, 2012, on like iOS. I think it was on like iPads and shit. Um, and then an Android version of Real Mist came out on Android fucking last year. So like, there's interest. There's a market, and I think like coming off of games like The Forest or coming off of games like Subnautica, like horror survival games. That's what Mist is. And so I think it could be a really, really awesome experience. I think, like, given better graphics and better performance, it'd be amazing. According to the AV Club, the creators of Mist are working on a new game. And it might be steampunk themed. Uh, it is potentially called Cyan, like the color. So, yeah, those are those are sort of my thoughts on, on reboots and revivals. Uh, Matt, why don't you finish it off? What are some revivals you would like to see happen? Yeah, so I have two games that I want to see rebooted, just new versions. I don't really want remasters. I just want new versions of these games. Uh, They're both Lord of the Rings themed. Yes, (laughs) Uh, please. The first is the Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, which came out for PlayStation 2. And GameCube. And GameCube. And Xbox. And PC. Man, back when games were released on all systems, what... R.I.P. Brilliant thing. Rip. Yeah, R.I.P. I remember I would go over to my friend's house, Matt, the other Matt, not Matt O, and we would go upstairs. We had a lot of friends, Matt's. Uh, we would go upstairs to where the PS2 was in his house, and we would fucking load up Return of the King, and we would play the two-player co-op where where the screen didn't always fit both yeah. players yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was the, fantastic. the camera was definitely a very weak point in that game but you could basically choose <laughs> right between like Gimli and Gandalf and Aragorn and Legolas you could pick pick one of those folks and I think more people were unlockable but I don't I don't know if we ever get that far 
and, and then, you could rank them up with like different um like special attacks yeah you could rank them up they had like they had like the quick attack the attack that was strong attack. shields all that yeah. stuff and there was that first level where like all these like fireballs are falling down and you have to like run around, like make sure you don't get hit by fireballs but like both players are running in different directions and the screen stayed still yeah and there was like was the army fantastic. of the dead uh yeah. level that I think might have been the first level, so we would just play it a ton of times. Um, and then there was one with the the Oliphants that that level yeah. was so fucking hard, and you had to run from side to side and like shoot the catapults at them. For sure, um, it was just a great multiplayer, and there was a single player campaign, but it was a great multiplayer experience to play with someone else that was in the room. It was, and just it was like a cinematic experience too, because they used this the score and a lot of like actual just movie dialogue. Like they didn't even edit it; they just like ported it into the game. Yeah. So it was like, oh my god, I'm playing the movie. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was it was just a really fun experience. And guess who that was made by? EA. It was made by EA. It was a great yep. game, made yeah. by Electronic Arts. Did you ever play um, Lord of the Rings: War in the North? No, I didn't. Is that Oh, you would they, love it. Oh yeah. It was like a new version of that. It didn't it wasn't like uh the trilogy. I remember it coming out and it not getting like super was good. I used to play it Steve, I used to play it with Steve McNaughton at at Hale Street like every fucking Saturday morning. Uh the other game, also Lord of the Rings themed, came out in 2006, also made by EA, Battle for Middle-earth 2. The sequel to the first one. The first one was also good, but I specifically am mentioning the second one because that one was better, in my opinion. That was like a classic real-time strategy game. You got to build your base. You got to build your buildings. You could be like the elves or the dwarves. Uh, there was, or the humans, obviously. There was, a, uh, or the Urukai under Saruman or orcs under uh, Sauron. Actually, Aaron Kaufman, the guy I talked to on the phone, the God of War community manager, he did all the marketing for Battle of the Earth oh, 1 and 2. No. Yeah. That was like his first huge so break good. in the gaming industry. Uh, and yeah. then that's pretty cool. And then and then there was an expansion pack too where you could play Angmar, but the base game was by far the best. It was just like really enjoyable strategy game. The last time I had a great experience with a real-time strategy game actually was Battle for Middle-earth 2. Since then, there's just has not been a real-time strategy game that has captured me like that. And you could play the like the single map mode where you're just like fighting someone else trying to destroy them, or they had the sort of like risk map, where um, which you see in in like the Total War games now. Um, but it was just like Middle Earth, and you could uh, you like had all the places that you could go, and if you captured the ring, then you could you could either summon I think like Galadriel or Sauron and they would like go in the field and just like blast all the units out. It was just so good. So when when you when you reference these games, do you want a revival and a reboot of of Battle for Middle Earth or do you just want like a really engaging like cinematic real-time strategy? Well, Battle for Middle Earth, I'd like there to be a new Battle for Middle Earth, like for the strategy game because I I like the strategy genre, but I want it set in lord of the rings and i want it to be that game where like yeah the, the base was sort of a focus of it for sure and then return of the king i mean this sort of goes back to the where we were talking about the the podcast episode where we were talking about single player and, and we mentioned what what is it called couch couch co-op 
Like, that was such a perfect couch co-op game. Yeah, I have, like, all the same memories playing with my friend Robert in Farmington, Connecticut, and we were just rocking those games on GameCube. Shout out to Robert. Yeah, that would be rad. I would couch co-op the shit out of that with you, Matt. Um, but seriously, go go play War of the North. You, you got to experience that game. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think if all of our revival wishes came true, what a wonderful world it would be. If there are any revivals or reboots that you want to see happen, let us know, please. Uh, you can give us a call at 347-509-5620, or you can email us, tweet at us, and do all that rad shit. We'd love to hear from you. So now, let's keep the show going. It's time for the segment where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke. This is Patch Notes. So this is Patch Notes 5. Point three one point one eight. All right, so Steve, why don't you kick it off? What do you have for news? So for like you know a good, I want to say fifteen hours or so, Bethesda was just streaming the Pip Boy bobblehead with the police standby, and then they shout finally, out to our reporter to yeah. loot riot on the scene. He for was multiple on the of scene. those hours. He was chatting in the Discord at like three in the morning, still going, and then. He was asleep and missed the actual <laughs> announcement. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so what happened was they finally showed a nice little uh, teaser trailer for Fallout 76. Then Kotaku, Jason Schreier, who is clearly one of the better reporters in the game's media, typically what he says is true. He's got really reliable sources. And so he reported that Fallout 76 is an online survival RPG which, of course, met with backlash from the interwebs because everyone was like, you know, that's not my fallout. I want single player. It's like, well, they're trying something new, guys. So maybe... Hashtag not my fallout. <laughs> maybe wait a little Hashtag bit. Hashtag not my fallout. So the article says... Let me see one here. When Bethesda announced Fallout 76 with a teaser trailer this morning promising more information at E3, it was easy to assume that the new game would be a traditional single-player role-playing game. But Fallout 76 is, in fact, an online survival RPG that's heavily inspired by games like DayZ and Rust, according to three people familiar with the project. Those people, speaking anonymously so as not to damage their careers, confirm that Fallout 76 is an experimental new entry in the long-running post-apocalyptic series. When Bethesda first teased the game on Tuesday morning, fans and pundits speculated that it might be a Fallout 3 remaster or a new Vegas-style spinoff in a new location, but as Kotaku reported that afternoon, it is, in fact something completely new and completely different. The teaser might lead Fallout fans to believe that this is a traditional entry in the series, but according to our sources, that's not the case. So, it looks like we're going to get an online survival RPG, which will use some of the building mechanics that were introduced in Fallout 4, and I'm imagining it'll call on some of things that they've learned in the Elder Scrolls Online series. I'm not going to write this off. Um, from what it's looking like, too, and from the lore of Fallout Vault 76 is what this game is taking place on. And uh, Vault 76 was like one of the only vaults that didn't horribly fuck with all of the participants in the vault. So <laughs> it's supposed to be like one that they were supposed to try to re-civilize like 20 years after all the stuff fell. Because there was the, the clip and the quote is like, you know, when the, when the fallout settles and the fighting stops, we must rebuild. So this is taking place about 20 years after all the fallout issues occur. And all the other installments have taken place about 200 years after the bomb spell. So this is a huge time difference. It's going to be a completely different setting. 
I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to give it a try. I'm not going to just write it off because I do have fun with Fallout games. I'm curious to see how it'll translate on console, though. I'm just not excited about it. Matt, what's your patch notes? I'm not telling I'm preemptively you. not excited for it. I'm not excited. I'm, oh, no. I was very excited about your patch notes. <laughs> I just, I'm not excited about Fallout 76. I just don't give a fuck about what's coming out of your mouth. I'm looking forward to E3. I'm curious to see what they have to tell us. So, Matt, what are your patch notes now that Steve has enlightened us about Fallout 76. So there was a leak on the internet. A tipster bought a keychain claiming that it was for the new Assassin's Creed game called Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And it was a hoplite helmet. A hoplite being a Greek soldier who would often use spears and large shields. And apparently wore helmets. And they wore helmets. So that was going to be my patch notes was like talking about that potential leak. And then like... 10 minutes ago, real time, 10 minutes real time, the at Assassin's Creed, the Twitter handle, released a super short teaser confirming that, yes, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is the next installment and it's set in ancient Greece, which is so cool. Do you think more so than ancient Egypt? Oh, I love the ancient Egypt too. If you had to pick one. Oh, Greece. Why is that though? That's because I studied it in college. Oh, yeah. So I was really into Well, it. I'm interested to see, like, what direction they kind of go with it. Like, are they going to have, like, a pseudo-mythological aspect, almost like God of War? Or is it just going to be, like, history, history, history? And if so, like, what parts of the history are they going to, like, get into? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question because in some of the expansions for the DLC for the Egypt one, there's, like, some weird shit that happens and, like, these giant things are summoned and stuff like that so it's definitely in in terms of those like quests and things the least historical of the assassin's creed games because it has like pseudo mythological stuff in it so that is one of the questions is that will the one in ancient greece also go that route is odyssey a poignant name because it's after homer's odyssey and all crazy shit happens in in that yeah and and i don't know i think for me personally like i'm a little burnt out on assassin's creed i mean i, I am too i just i want something new and and like from what i've heard like origins was somewhat refreshing it's just all this it feels so samey to me and i'd be i'd be willing to bet that they repeat that like whatever peaceful mode or educational mode in ancient greece as well where like there's no combat and middle school students play it or whatever i'm sure they'll capitalize on that you know what would be refreshing for it is if they turned it fully into an RPG and they got rid of like map markers and all those things that we're used to and just like we're gonna go hardcore old school RPG I think that would be refreshing and different and like turn it more into a Skyrim or Witcher and I think that would be a good direction for them to go in instead of sort of remixing the same thing over and over again and I feel like the basic concept of Assassin's Creed can only be like mushed in so many directions but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see like what comes of it. But at the very least, I think, like you, there's a shitload of people who are really stoked that it's in ancient Greece. All right. Well, so my patch notes is, at least for me, super fucking exciting. Last weekend, I started watching the Pokemon show from season one uh, with my girlfriend. And I feel like the Poke gods answered one of my prayers, which was Pokemon coming to Switch fucking finally. Um, so there's kind of a lot of moving parts and there's a lot to unpack with all of this because there's like three different games that are happening at the same time. Um, but I'll just read a little bit from uh, an article that's by Allegra Frank over at Polygon. The first Pokemon role-playing games for Nintendo Switch 
are Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, the Pokemon company announced during a press release conference live in Japan. Uh, So this actually goes back to one of my patch notes from, I think, two or three episodes ago where there was a leak about this. Uh, The two games, which will be exclusive to Switch, will launch November 16th and take players back to the Kanto region where the original generation of Pokemon titles were set. During a conference call in New York, director Junichi Masuda described the games as almost a, quote, remake of 1999's Pokemon Yellow, the final iteration of the first-gen Pokemon lineup. Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee editions are kind of inspired and based on the Yellow version, Masuda told us. They added elements from the animated series like Team Rocket, and the characters that appeared in the actual show. So that's awesome. So I feel like they're just like getting back to the core lore of like OG Pokemon. Well, it's smart because they're roping in all of us older players who grew up on that. And they're also roping in all the young players who love Pokemon Go because they're integrating it with Pokemon Go. So they're they're geniuses. Like, let's not sell them short. This is a genius marketing ploy because I'm going to buy this game and some six-year-old is also going to buy this game and everybody in between is going to buy this game and we're all going to have a blast. Well, so here's – let me break it down for you because there's a shitload happening in this Pokemon game. It is fully 3D. Um, The characters are obviously like rendered much better than they were in 1999, Um, and there's like a full overworld, right? So you can – I assume it's mapped off of – the Kanto region in the in the trailer which I will post in the show notes there wasn't a lot seen just because it's an announcement trailer not a gameplay trailer even though there's a bunch of people getting all grumpy about that and so players can run around you can use the joy cons to navigate you can also use a single joy con to like sort of like a Wiimote throw pokeballs right so it's just like yellow you walk into the tall grass you get into a pokemon battle you can encounter wild pokemon and other trainers and fight them you can also give your friend a Joy-Con, um, and if you're playing on the same console, you can both be in the same world. So from what I saw in the trailer, the other person takes the second Joy-Con and shakes it, and they're dropped into the world with you. Um, and you can like essentially 2v1 wild Pokemon and trainers. There's also a peripheral, which I think is kind of cheesy, but also amazing at the same time, and I absolutely will buy it. So you can actually play with the Pokeball, um, and the little circle on the Pokeball is actually uh, joysticks that you can move around with. So let me read a little bit about actual that actual peripheral. The Switch consoles will also have a fancy exclusive peripheral, the Pokeball Plus, a controller sold separately that players can use to transport any of their Kanto regions between the mobile and Switch games, the mobile game being Pokemon Go. Um, so this game is also integratable with Pokemon Go. You can transfer your Pokemon back and forth. I might need to get an unlimited data plan because I'm probably going to start playing Pokemon Go again. Get out of here. That thing ate up data and my battery. Like, you need to be walking around with a portable charger at all times. And and so you can actually put one Pokemon in the Pokeball at a time. And you, if you, like, pet it, it'll, like, make little noises for you. And, like, it'll light up and all this stuff, all this sort of cutesy peripheral stuff. So, I mean, to me, it seems amazing. It seems exactly like what I wanted. Pokemon Yellow is my favorite version. I'm really excited for it. I'm like all in. However, it's not really a core generational Pokemon game, but Game Freak has announced that they're working on a core game that will come out in 2019. So while both of those things are happening, there's also a current game that is available now on the Switch called Pokemon Quest, which is sort of this combination of like, Pokemon battles mixed with like base building and resource management. Um, I actually downloaded today and have been playing a couple hours. It's pretty fun. I enjoy it. Um, It kind of reminds me of a lot of the older Pokemon games, which is cool, but 
It also has this like weird blocky style that's a little odd, but I don't know. Cool nonetheless. I've been looking for something that can get me back into the Pokemon series without having to like learn thousands of new Pokemon. So I'm, I'm so happy this is here. I really am. Even just like watching the trailer gets me way too hyped. And you're absolutely right, Steve. It's like it's gonna hit all parts of the market for for Pokemon fans. Tim Getty has referred to it as baby's first Pokemon, and it can absolutely be baby first Pokemon, but it can also be our old Pokemon. You know what I mean? I'm probably gonna have to digitally download that just because that's one of those ones that'll sell out. There are so few games that sell out now, but that would be one that does it. Yeah, and I feel like also I would not want to be somewhere without the physical copy because it seems like the kind of game I can get in and out of and like have fun with on the go. So I would always want to have that with me. So yeah, I'm really excited. I'm going to be a Pokemaster just like I was in 1998. So that was patch notes 5.31.18, the last of May. So before we close the show out, ladies and gentlemen, we do have a couple community highlights that we want to make. Very first, before we do anything else, we want to give the biggest and best of shout outs to our first patrons. Seriously, thank you guys so much. We are able to do what we do because of the support you guys give us. And the support on Patreon is such an amazing gesture of that support. So we can't thank you enough. Um, And those supporters are... Wout, the hashtagonist, thank you so much for your support. We appreciate it. FaZe, our good Norwegian friend from Discord, thank you for the support, dude. You're the best. Building roofs, supporting podcast. And one of our newer friends, Horizons PD, found us on Spotify, joined the Discord, has been awesome, and uh, is now a Patreon supporter. And and we love him for that. A Canadian Patreon supporter. We're international. Yeah. So thank you guys. Being patrons for us means a lot. And, and, you know, you're the reason we can keep doing what we're doing. On that note, today's community shout-out also goes to Horizons PD for being such a great guy. Like I said, he found us on Spotify, and now he's on our Discord. He chats with us every day. He keeps us entertained. He's just a good all-around dude. You can find him on Twitch at twitch.tv slash HorizonsPD. The letter's PD, and those are both capital. Uh, and he has, like, a nice little pirate logo um, as his as his Twitch icon. So go check him out. He's uh, currently streaming Dauntless, which is awesome. And I know, I think he plays some Fortnite and maybe some PUBG as well. So yeah, man, shout out to you. Thanks for being so rad. And we're just going to keep the Horizons train going because we also have a voicemail from him. So let's give this voicemail a listen and see what Horizons has to say. What's up, guys? It's your boy, Horizons PD. Just finished listening to uh, the latest podcast. Good work. My only issue is that E3 supposedly is going to be the announcement for the next Borderlands game, which you guys didn't mention. And I know there's a few of us in your Discord that are fans of looters, and we're really disappointed with Destiny. So looking forward to that. So that would be my – I don't even think it's a pipe dream because I think it's actually going to get announced. And uh, I got into the Borderlands bandwagon a little late, so most of my friends had already played it, so it was kind of uh, not as enjoyable as it could have been for me. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to getting on this one. Uh, on the ground floor and getting some of that sweet, sweet loot. Hopefully not in loot boxes. Anyways, keep up the good work, guys. We'll talk to you later. So, yeah, I mean, he brings up a good point. We did not talk about Borderlands. You know who loves Borderlands? It's Christine. Right. Christine loves Borderlands. Yeah. I'll admit I barely played any of Borderlands. I actually played Borderlands 2 for, like, maybe an hour. So, we'll tell you what. Horizons, uh, because we don't have a lot of context around Borderlands... Uh, Christine 
why don't you call us and leave us a voicemail in response to Horizons? Let us know what you think about potentially hearing an announcement about Borderlands at E3, because I'm sure he would love to hear you. So yeah, again, thank you to our patrons. You guys are the reason we are able to do what we do. And a special thank you to Horizons PD, because you're rad and keep being rad and we'll keep keeping you entertained on long bus rides. So folks, that was episode 31 of the Ombra Gaming Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Like I always say, if you feel so compelled and if you're enjoying what you hear on the podcast, check us out on all podcast streaming platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, the whole nine yards because we're everywhere. So find us. And if you feel so compelled, throw us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. Also, check us out on Patreon. You can learn about all the rewards we have going on and all the awesome content that we look forward to producing every single week. You can find us at patreon.com slash Gaming. We would love your support. So as always, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you and we will talk to you very soon. This last one is actually in riddle form. It does not rhyme. Get on up at bot. It's bot. Oh, I fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just have a stroke? What just happened? I tried to say get on up. It's bobsled time because you said rhyme. <laughs> get on up at the I fucked that up, guys. I'm so sorry. Okay. I don't even know. Go. I don't even know what to timestamp that because the video was started like 20 minutes before we yeah, started recording. You gotta watch a lot of.